Welcome to Courage and Spice. This is the podcast for humans with self-doubt. I'll share evidence-based resources and teach you proven coaching tools to help you transcend your self-doubt. I'm Sass Petherick, a master coach and founder of the Self-Belief Coaching Academy. I'm so glad you're here. Let's do this. Hello there. I am excited to chat to you today. This is going to be slightly different from what we usually talk about on the podcast in that it's my birthday this week. And last year I did an episode called Big Birthday Thoughts and I just rambled on for 20 minutes of an episode just to kind of share what was on my mind. And I thought, you know what, I'll do that again because a lot of you got in touch to say that that had been quite fun. So I have a cup of tea with me. And maybe we can imagine that we're meeting and chatting. I'm sorry, it's going to be a little bit one way. (laughs) But I wanted to share with you what is on my mind right now as I approach my birthday, my 49th birthday. And I wanted to try and refrain from small talk because I'm not very good at that. And I've just been kind of jotting down some notes before we started to talk and I thought, Oh, there is actually some stuff that's quite interesting that, oh, well, I find interesting and maybe you will too. So I don't know if you know about this idea that came from Rudolf Steiner. He's the dude who developed the Steiner schools, which have a kind of mind, body, spirit type approach to schooling. A lot of people that I know that send their kids to Steiner education absolutely love it. I think he was quite a polymath, really. Really fascinating guy. Anyway, he had this theory that every seven years we go through a new stage of soul development, of our kind of human souls developing in a new phase. And I just looked this up and I found out that he actually linked each stage to astrology, which I find quite fascinating. So according to Steiner, the seven-year stage that I am about to end, which is 42 to 49 years old, is associated with Mars. Mars has always been about the mind, I believe. So according to Steiner, it's when our soul works very hard to sort of impress our personality on the world. It's very much about this is me kind of stuff. And It's also the start of a transition to the next stage from 49 to 56 years old, which is associated with Jupiter. And this is when wisdom begins to dawn, when we enter kind of higher states of consciousness, according to Steiner. He called that the spirit self. So he believes that a sort of life spirit is wanting to unfold I don't know if there is wisdom that's waiting to dawn or a life spirit that wants to unfold in me. I definitely have more chin here. (laughs) My menstrual cycle is spacing way out. I seem to be surrounded by women talking about the menopause. Like things are definitely changing on the kind of physical plane. But it does feel like there's been some transitions for me this year that, that do kind of connect to what he's talking about. I'm curious to sort of see what I end up sharing today around that. I do think I've spent more time this year thinking about aging and the aging process more than any other. And it's not really about getting older that's 
sort of filled my thoughts. More memories of the past, actually. Like, just really realising that the decisions I've made at different times in my life have really been sliding doors moments. Like, conversations that totally changed how I saw something or almost like closed a door for me, sometimes in not very pleasant ways. But also relationships where some energy that held us together just kind of disappeared and fell away. There's been unknown paths that I just felt compelled to follow. I don't know what that all looks like or if that resonates with you, but I definitely feel like, oh, I'm looking back a lot more and thinking, wow, that really did matter. That really was a turning point. I I don't know if I've shared this before on the podcast, but I remember when I chose my dissertation topic, my professor at the time, who was like a research methods professor, and I was really kind of shit scared of doing this paper, to be honest with you. I'd waited over 20 years to go back and do a graduate degree because I'd failed statistics when I was first at university. And that was one of those ending conversations where a tutor had said to me, look, I just don't think you're cut out for postgraduate study because you found the statistics really challenging. And at the time I was studying psychology and that was going to be a huge part of my next degree. And he just said, I think you should just go and get a job. (laughs) It kind of killed my dream of academia in like a 20-minute conversation. So when I went back to complete my MA, I was really scared that someone was going to say the same thing to me. And because this was in coaching and mentoring and it was the work that I was choosing that felt so important to me, I was really kind of concerned that someone was going to say the same thing in this work that felt so important to me now. But that didn't happen. I ended up getting the highest mark in my class for my research methods paper. I laboured over that thing. We had to do a kind of argument about the pros and cons of qualitative versus quantitative research. It was pretty mega. But I digress. That might be the name of my autobiography. But I digress. So I was trying to choose my dissertation topic and my professor said to me what has coaching taught you like what has this work meant to you and when I sort of pondered on that over a few days I realized that there was some level of comfort and uncertainty that I'd reached like I I just felt okay with not knowing which felt tangibly different from my life before which had been very much driven by trying to keep control of everything and so that kind of shift into feeling more comfortable with uncertainty led me down the path of self-doubt and I think over the last decade certainly these last seven years you know I've really kind of let that Mars phase of my life if Steiner is right really has been about exploring this idea of experiencing self-doubt, of experiencing the uncertainty of potentially opening ourselves up to vulnerability and risk and uncertainty and what does it mean to kind of build a life that allows self-doubt to be part of that, that doesn't try and bypass it or dismiss it or act as if it doesn't exist but actually compassionately brings it along. And I think that work has really helped me to create not just a successful business, which I'm super proud of, but 
more than that, it's really helped me to see what it means to build a life that just feels like it is a representative of me, of my personality, of myself, in all of the humanness of that. So I'm conscious that I am also reaching a point in my work that is really having me think about not so much a legacy, but because I just don't think that really is anything to do with me, but more about making a contribution, right? Like following my fascinations, following the things that interest me, and what does it mean to make a contribution? And now that self-belief school is in the world, I do feel like there is a new phase of work that's winking at me. You know, I'm continuing to practice letting go of needing to do everything. I'm loving working with this small team of coaches. I can see the impact this work is having. I can also see that it could be much greater than I've ever imagined. And I've had a new person join our little team in the last few weeks. That's giving me more thinking space, more breathing room. So yeah, it's all it all feels like I'm creating the space where this new phase of life, whatever that wants to look like, actually begins to take shape. You know, last year I really wanted to learn who I was when I wasn't working so hard. And this year, my kind of word of the year, if you like, has been disappointment. (laughs) Like I really wanted to get so comfortable with disappointment that I wasn't fearful of it anymore, that I wasn't trying to protect myself from it. So the last few years have been quite fascinating for learning about my self-protective patterns. And, you know, most of this stuff stems from over-functioning, right, where it's always felt safer to me to be doing. And this has periodically left me feeling burnt out. I think my life's work is to learn how to allow myself to just feel all my feelings rather than being a bit armoured up from from emotions. But I've also really learned over the last couple of years as I've been kind of playing with these themes of over-functioning and working really hard to protect myself from disappointment. Like I've noticed how I can have a tendency to add bells and whistles to anecdotes, right? Like my gran always said, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. But I think especially with people where I felt Maybe I wouldn't be accepted unless I was a bit more, a bit extra, had a had an extra thing to throw in there. And I think part of this tendency has also meant that I got quite good at charming people, like showing my best side. My old therapist used to call this sending in the representative, which I kind of love. And interestingly, I think what I've also noticed is this sort of underlying fear of maybe just being ordinary. So I got really good at going beyond sort of what other people do. I couldn't really allow myself to have little goals. I would have big, hairy, audacious goals all the time and then inevitably feel a bit disappointed when I didn't achieve exactly what I'd planned. And I've also realized that, you know, so many of my own protection patterns look really good from the outside, right? Like if you're hardworking, you've got a sense of humor, you can tell a good story, you can respond creatively to the energy of the room, high achieving person, all of that sounds fab, right? But I think the difference is in how it feels to me. Like I know 
that these are all resources that I have available to me. But I can also feel the difference when I'm using them as protective mechanisms, you know, as protective patterns. So I've had to really get quite truthy with myself, right, in, the, in a way that has actually felt pretty uncomfortable at times. And I think this has created like the biggest shifts in my relationship with my work and with disappointment. I'm just really noticing in quite obvious big and small ways how there is this kind of shedding of that need to keep proving myself, to keep doing, to keep over-functioning. It does feel like it's almost evaporating. It's happening quite easily. I'm not having to work very hard at it, which is ironic, but I can feel myself just sitting in this okayness, this acceptance a kind of gratitude, I guess. It's it's not as obvious as gratitude, but there's something like, oh, this is me now, all is well. It feels quite soft. It feels just very tender and there's a sweetness to it. It's unfamiliar territory. Like I'm pretty good at finding the path to follow and the direction to go in, but I'm struck by this idea at the moment of well, what if I've arrived, <laughs> right? What if I'm here And that idea of just being where you are, being here now, being where you need to be, there's something about that that feels very consistent with this idea of a kind of pathless path, which is a concept from meditation that like getting to where we want to be, we think it's about effort and time and there's a great distance. We all need to go on this hero's journey. But actually, I'm starting to see that it's, in some ways it's about presence, like there's actually no distance to go. There's just a perspective change that happens when we're present. So there's no there's no journey to go on, there's no time that needs to pass. So I don't know, I'm sitting in that kind of paradox of, you know, stillness and presence are the fastest route to where I want to be, which is where I already am. Yeah, meditation is a bit of a head screwy, isn't it? But yes, I'm very much sitting in this idea of being willing to just be still and be rather than do and consider like, how can I integrate this? Like what else could be true about me other than, you know, I'm a pretty practiced over-functioner. You know, what's the other story? What, What else is true? And there's something really simple and quite glorious about that question, you know, what else might be true? I wrote about this in my newsletter a couple of weeks ago, so forgive me if you've already kind of heard this, but I used to be part of a meditation group. I learned to meditate in 2014, and I practiced Transcendental Meditation, or TM, for about six years. only really missed a couple of days, and I was a pretty good regular for monthly meetings at the home of my teachers, Rick and Pat shout out to you. And we would watch a video of Maharishi and discuss some big luscious themes around consciousness and we'd have tea and we'd meditate together. And it was always just such an eclectic group of humans from all different ages and faiths and backgrounds. And I really loved those meetings. It was an opportunity to just have a completely different conversation than what I would have in my normal life. 
And when we moved house, I kept up my daily practice, but I never quite got to the Bristol TM meeting, the local chapter. And then during lockdown, I was doing some therapy online to look at some old trauma that was coming up. And my sort of love for meditation kind of stopped. I don't know really what happened. I was doing a lot of feeling through memories and making sense of myself and I just wondered if meditation was a way that I was trying to avoid feelings. I don't know. It didn't feel like it could coexist in that time of my life. So I kind of stopped meditating and I didn't really miss it. And then a couple of weeks ago, I just started feeling this pull back to it. And I found that Rick and Pat, my teachers, had quickly adopted their monthly meetings to Zoom and they've continued to send out their monthly invitation with all this loving detachment. And a couple of weeks ago, I joined their monthly call and it was as if I'd never left. It was so lovely to be welcomed back. We watched a video, we chatted, we meditated together and I slept really deeply that night and from the next morning onwards, I sort of restarted my practice. The reason I'm sharing this is, you know, I really have had to laugh at myself, just thinking of the stories I tell myself about who I am. And there's this big theme for me that I'm an outsider, like I don't quite belong. I'm a daughter of immigrants. So I had this very odd kind of dual upbringing of being the daughter of English immigrants. And then as soon as I could, I came back here. So I've brought my Kiwi accent with me. And as soon as I open my mouth, people want to know where I'm from and why I, why I live in the UK. And it's this weird kind of like, you don't quite belong here. But there is this other story too, that actually I'm pretty good at making a home wherever I am. I've created a community in every place I've lived. I have long-term friendships. I'm in a long marriage. Both are true. Like both of these stories about me, that I'm an outsider and that I can make a home wherever I am, they're both true and I get to see both. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons I'm seeing right now. It's what the philosophers might call pluralism. That's the willingness to allow one story or belief or truth to coexist with another. So they can all, all things can be true. So this idea, you can be in a job that's like intellectually unsatisfying. It's quite dull and it allows you to fulfill many of your personal values where you really care about your colleagues right there's more than one story playing out so where it's amazing for example to see your sister who lives overseas and after two days you realize you have very little in common other than a sort of childhood you both remember very differently and a shared concern for your aging parents but you want to get to know her and your nephews even though you should never talk about politics, right? Like this, it's complicated. Our relationships with place, with purpose, with people, they're all quite complicated. They're complex. So I'm seeing this wisdom in these multiple coexisting stories that are quite alive for me right now. The ones that are in me or from me, but the ones that are around me too. The kind of beauty and the horror and all the bits in between that make up a life. And in all of this, this idea that I am both a kind of overfunctioner and I'm very ordinary are coexisting for me right now. I'm both running quite a small business and I have an idea of a of a big, bright, colourful life. And in relative terms, it's quite small. It's quite ordinary. Right? All of that is true. 
You know, we took Bodie, our little dog, for a walk this morning. And I just noticed as we left the house, like the full October hunter moon was up ahead of us. And there was frost on the ground. It's a real clear sky. The leaves are beginning to churn on all the trees. And we get to the park and Bodie is having the best freaking day of his life because he found a stick. And we just rounded the park and the sun just burst over the horizon. And it does that every single day. Honestly, I just had this moment of kind of like overwhelming joy at the sheer beauty of it. Like this moon on one side of us and the sun rising on the other. And we're in this little patch of nature. I'm with my favorite beings. And I just felt so happy to be alive, right? To have mornings like this. I felt so proud of myself, my God, to be sober, to be present to mornings like this. Just that coexistence of the utter exuberance of my aliveness in that moment, and it's just an ordinary Tuesday. (laughs) Like, how cool. So there's something playing out for me around this, this new phase of life. I'm just so happy to be in it. So thank you so much for listening. I'm sending you all lots of love. Hey, if you're ready to explore more about your self-doubt, I want to invite you to take the Self-Doubt Archetypes Quiz. It's totally free and you'll uncover your particular flavor of self-doubt. It turns out self-doubt is not this amorphous cloud of woe. There are 12 different types of self-doubt and finding out yours is the first step to getting a handle on it. Just head over to www.sasspetherick.com backslash archetype for all the details.